Welcome back to another episode of With Sonar. I'm Luke Velasco. We're joined, of course, by Tony Moeller. And thank you again for joining us on another episode. It's Wednesday. It's 3.30. We're ready to go. Last week, we were here doing the Global Supply Chain Week. And this week, we're just we're back to the normal things. Tony, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm you doing a big great. Trip, so. I did have a big trip. So that's right. So for those that maybe watched last time, I was in Florida, uh, Orlando specifically, doing the annual Food Shippers Conference. There's 66 annual one, by the way. Jeez. Yeah. Pretty good. They've only missed one, I think, and that was in 2021 because Impressive. of COVID. So, but no, it was very productive. A lot, a lot of folks there. A lot of good conversations. I mean, we we heard a lot of things. We heard things about uh, electric trucks, the future of where that's going. Th- you know, things about the future of uh, you know uh, technology. What some shippers are facing. A lot of CPG shippers there, as you can imagine. Right. Talked to a lot of asset-based carriers, some brokers, some uh, folks on the freight tech side. It was great to, to have a lot of those people in one place and, and hear some different things. So very productive. Good deal. That's electric we, trucks was kind of fun, though. So are you, do you follow electric trucks that much or just kind of the, mar- the electric vehicle market at all? A little. I mean, I pay attention to it. I mean, yeah. ear, ear to the wall. But, That's uh, all I do. That's all I do. So they actually had one there. Really? From a company. So they, they brought an electric truck in. That's actually moved a lot of freight. And, um, I mean, the biggest, the biggest uh, 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 hurdle with that right now is cost. But it does. It is. It is working really well. It's so quiet. They turn it on. You can't. You, like you don't even know that it's on. You don't know that it's on. It's so quiet. But like they're probably they need like speakers in the in the vehicle to make it loud so that people know when like it's driving by that like there's a car there or a big truck. But anyways, that's not what we're here to talk about today. Um, Tony, you're a stock market guy. What's, what's wrong with my portfolio right now? It's just going down. It, it is going down. How do I change I, the color from red to green? <laughs> I wish I could tell you because I'm suffering the same fate. So, uh, Yeah. And, you know, the freight market's kind of doing the same thing. I mean, when you look back since, what, September? Yeah. I mean, we're seeing tender volumes down pretty significantly, right? Yeah. I mean, we, I know you've got a chart here uh, of our outbound tender volume index, but, I mean, Do you look chart. at you look at it, and it's it's down 11.75% since, what, the Labor Day holiday? So, right I mean, about, yeah. Look at a, that. That's a pretty significant decline. That's uh, a pretty significant decline. But, I mean, overall, you look at those numbers, and they're still elevated. They're still up 40%. Yeah, exactly. They're still up 40%. I mean, this is the same thing, right? You and I were just talking about this offstage, right? So I'm, uh, I'm a big believer in investing, you know, long-term. Uh, um, the NASDAQ is typically my, my choice of, of market to go into. And it's down almost 20%, not quite almost 20%. But from the highs of 2018, it's still up, what was it, 67%? Something like that. Something Pretty like close. That. So, again, it's one of those things you just invest over time, you'll be fine. This is the same thing. It's like, yeah, we're down almost 12%, but we're still up 40% yeah. from where we were prior to COVID. For sure. Um, but what, is, what does this mean? Should we, should we even think about this at all? Should we even notice this? Should we pay attention to this? I mean, that's not, a, that's not nothing. Yeah, it's definitely not nothing. I mean, it's definitely something to pay attention to. I think the big one, I mean, if you look at, say, if you look at rejections with these, I think it's yeah. really good because you kind of get an idea of, when you think about the OTBI, and it includes both those accepted and rejected tenders, right? Yeah. So you take, you factor in those rejections, you look back at how that's changed, over the course of the past year, I mean, we're up almost 18% year over year. I mean, that's pretty substantial growth. Yeah. I mean, even in the last month, we're up almost 4%. So we saw this decline in 
tender volumes, but we've seen a decline in rejections, right? We've gone right. from that 22, 23% range down to now below 19%, right? And that, yeah. right around that 19%. So I do think it is something to pay attention to. I mean, we've talked about it, Zach Strickland, Anthony, myself in the morning, you know, freight waves now, that where do we end up? I mean, obviously, don't think that this like around 15,000 per or level is sustainable in the long term. We're going to find some equilibrium. Where is yeah. that? I don't really know. I wish I kind of did. Uh, but I mean, we are going to see this kind of decline off of these peaks. I mean, it, that wasn't sustainable. And, right. and we've seen capacity added to the market. And some of that, where you see those rejection rates fall, brings this index down. Yeah. Where is, where, what does this mean, you know, if you're, um, what does this mean for capacity? And when we look at tender rejections, we don't have it on the screen in front of us, but when we look at those two together, what does is, what is, what is a declining OTVI or volume mean for the capacity market? I think, well, you think about OTVI and being driven with OTRI, right, and that right. capacity front. So we've seen the capacity loosen. We've seen tenders come down. I mean, a lot of it may be shippers moving stuff forward, sure. pulling goods forward, things like that, uh, building those inventory levels. On the capacity front, I mean, you think, it, I mean, we're adding it, but it's not, the market's not reacting to it as much yeah. as it may have in the past, right? We've added, I mean, you look at used truck prices are at all-time highs, which tells you the demand is there, right? Yeah. Supply is limited. We're still being limited on the OEM side. Well, guess what? I mean, we're seeing still one in five loads basically being rejected by, by carriers. I mean, it's, it's crazy, especially under contract. If, uh, it is. Yeah. No, I think, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, it's still incredibly elevated, and it's amazing what people get used to, right? You know, you, you, we saw when, when that September volume hit its high, it was, you know, we're up near, like, 28% tender rejections, and now that we're at 18%, it's like, oh, okay, yeah, there's capacity everywhere. Well, you know, it's still really tight. Yeah. It's still really tight. Um, something, something that you and I talked about last week, and I think this is really true, and we've got a great example we're going to look at in a minute, is that when volumes decline or when rejections decline or whatever direction they move in, it doesn't affect all the areas the same, right? Every area is unique. And one, one market we're going to look at is, is Indianapolis. Indianapolis is an interesting market because just a few months ago, it was a headhaul market. Mm -hmm. It's normally a backhaul market. There it is on the screen in front of us. So let's look at this right here. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that picture there with those uh, those pretty lines. I just want to point out for those viewing, I took that. That's my chart. I made that. So <laughs> if you need to give anybody credit, that would be me. But um, more importantly, the blue line here is volume out of Indianapolis. We were just looking at OTVI, which is the overall volume for the for the for the national market. This right here is particularly over the last um, over the last month, month and a half. This is volume uh, shipping out of Indianapolis. So we again we, we came up to that high, but we we've, we've seen about a twelve percent decline. So just in line with the market, maybe a, a hair over. Um, the green line here is tender rejections. So we, we get that in in contrast with it. What's interesting here is tender rejections are still over twenty five percent. So still very elevated. So out of Indianapolis traditionally a backhaul market, they have not come down nearly as much. Yeah, I mean, if you even look back, if you were to pull this uh, chart out even further and look back, say, November, December, we were actually up. I mean, they're increasing, yeah. right? So, I mean, we were at 22.5% there around Thanksgiving and now up to 25.5%. Right. I mean, you're seeing that capacity 
titan in in Indianapolis. I mean, and you're kind of seeing it. There's you look across the Midwest, and that's kind yeah. of been the trend. I mean, another large market in the Midwest, Columbus, right? Yeah, kind of same same story that you're seeing here in Indianapolis. So uh, definitely an interesting, definitely an interesting area. What's interesting to me is when I look at this, I mean, you can see the trend. Volume starts to really drop a little bit there, right? So, so look, look right at the beginning of February. Volume, green line there for those viewing, shoots right up, right? Then a couple weeks later, blue line, tender uh, volume, excuse me, uh, uh, shoots up. I'm saying the same word here. Volume declines and then tender rejections decline. Um, so they move so closely. And that, that is a big indicator of where pricing is going to go. Mm-hmm. Right, you've got two softening increases. You've got blue line volume decreasing, so less demand, and you have green line tender rejections or supply decreasing, implying that there's more supply to move that demand. Yeah, for sure. And I think you, we have another. Our next chart brings up that market dashboard, yeah. right, from Indianapolis to Philadelphia, and I think this look is a, a perfect example, right? I mean, you look back at the beginning of. What's this? Over three months. Yeah, so this is look three back, months, ninety days. Look back in December, right? We're, we've seen that increase, right? Where we've talked about rejections increasing, right? right. Now we're starting to see that kind of, I don't want to call it a peak, but we have seen it come off its high, right? We have. So I mean, you're looking at those rejections back on that the chart before. We've seen volume come down and rejections come down off their peak. Yeah. Pricing's come down off its peak. Pricing's so. come down off its peak, and this is this is, a, this is a great example, right? So we were just we were just a hair over 490 a mile in this lane, and now we're a little bit under 480 a mile. So it's not a strong decrease yet, but again, volumes and rejections typically lead first, and if those continue to decline, we'll see continued movement downward or downward pressure on these spot rates from Atlanta to Philly, as, or excuse me, from Indy to to Philly. But yeah, this is exactly what we were talking about earlier, right? So we're, we're off our peak. The question is, how far do we fall? Do we go back to where we were three months ago? Again, we're still very elevated. We know that. We're very elevated. The question is, how far down do we go? Do we go back where we were three months ago? Do we go six months back? 12 months? That's the question I think we all want to know. Yeah, and uh, again, I wish there was a crystal ball that kind of told us that. I mean, you yeah. just it, it has to do a lot with both the origin and the destination. Yeah. I mean, Philadelphia, you think about where it's located, close to Harrisburg and close to Elizabeth, New Jersey, right? So two really strong markets that are right there surrounding it. So yeah. there's that ability to go get loaded. I mean, you may have to deadhead a little, uh, but ultimately that's going to play a factor in pricing too. I mean, you would think, hey, I'm leaving Indianapolis, which right now is a pretty strong market. I mean, when you think about Rejections are elevated, so capacity's tight, which is good for pricing. Volumes are still elevated from where they were. Yeah. Good for pricing. Going into a market that, hey, I'm going to have to deadhead, probably deadhead out to a surrounding market, maybe I don't need to be as expensive because I'm going to get loaded, right? So you kind of get that, you have that, trying to think of how to say it, like you have the kind of some optionality there in that pricing. So you can you can either price it like I have to deadhead out, or you can price it like, hey, I'm going to get loaded. So that's where I may see yeah. you may see that that decline. It's like, okay, is that optionality shows up? Hey, we can take a break on pricing this lane because we're going to get revenue generated coming out of yeah. another line. I think for the camera crew listening, I think we need a counter here for every time. Tony drops a five-syllable word, so he just dropped two there. Did you hear that optionality? Right. 
I just, I just had to do a double check. Is that five syllables? Anyways, I'm pretty sure it was. We need a little counter there. This is the big vocabulary guy. He's doing it every time. Okay, I can't be sitting up here with him, so we need a little counter there. Anyways, no, you're absolutely right, Tony, and spot on there, and I think it'll be really interesting to see where it goes. Also, you said crystal ball. Sonar's kind of a crystal ball. Mm-hmm. I think we need to change the, the letter O in sonar to just like a crystal ball. It'd be nice. I think that'll, I think that'll do it. But anyways, um, Tony, we've got, we've got a special guest coming on here, don't we? We do indeed. So we've got Kyle Jepson, Senior Vice President of Product at Emerge. Uh, so, Kyle, welcome. Thanks for having me today. Awesome. Kyle, there he is. We're glad to have you here, Kyle. I think I saw some yeah. of your cohorts down there in uh, in Florida at FSA, right? Yep, we are definitely out there. So it was a great show, lots of great feedback and good conversations. So uh, fun to be kind of back in the, the trade show mix again. And we'll, we'll see how long that lasts. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, good deal. I mean, I know Emerge being... Just let close some funding, you being in the product side there. Uh, obviously, eyeballs have been on freight tech. Quick does the increased attention on freight tech continue when supply chain, so supply chains being as thrown out of sorts that they have been over the past 18, 20 months, does that, that increased attention to freight tech continue when supply, these supply chain issues normalize? Yeah, I think it definitely continues to uh, you know see massive investments in freight tech overall. Really, this has been kind of a catalyst event that's led and surfaced a lot of the issues that have been here for a long time in the industry. So, um, freight and supply chain has gone from not just a you know a logistics department conversation, but it's a hot topic in the boardroom, and you know it's even made it into some dinner table conversations now, which is uh, really really interesting. Um, you know, for a long time, it's just been under underemphasized in the investment community. And I think there's a lot of attention around the opportunity in the market and the total impact that can be made through implementing technology and, and what we can do. That's great. Um, Kyle, question here. So we've we've seen uh, one, of, one of the biggest buzz phrases I think we've been hearing over the last two years is, you know, what's the new normal? Right. Where, where do we go from here? Where do we land? How high do we go? How far off the peaks do we fall? Things that we've been talking about a lot. So how, how does the future supply chain, you know, or, or how has it been forever changed or impacted by the pandemic? Yeah, I think the pandemic has brought to light a lot of inefficiencies in our current processes, a major lack of flexibility for logistics departments, for the software we use. Um, I think that trend is going to continue to grow and evolve that Things are going to be more dynamic. Things are going to need to change faster. And the industry as a whole, as well as the products that we use, is going to evolve with that. So I think that's really the, the biggest thing that's come out of this is the dynamic nature of the supply chain is going to continue. And you talk about some of those issues. Would you say, is there are there any particularly glaring issues that have come to light during that, during that time frame as a result of the pandemic? Yeah, I think... Shippers' ability to respond quickly, you know, to change their network, to re-bid, you know, tools like Sonar and FreightWaves have given them a lot of insight into what's happening, and we see these trends. But the ability for shippers to react to that is is really the missing piece today. So I think you're going to see a lot of evolution in um, kind of the tools that allow shippers to react to those things um, more dynamically, whether that's through improved connectivity changing their supply chain, you know, changing modes, whatever that might be, we're going to continue to see an emphasis on, on that side of things. 
Yeah, I think you bring up a great point there. I mean, about shippers and having to kind of be savvy, right? I mean, you think, I mean, shippers largely, the big ones especially, have been savvy, right? They've had the data to back up these changes, and now you've seen this increased investment in yeah. freight tech that's brought kind of everybody more on a, I don't say level playing field, but brought in these smaller players that maybe didn't have the access to, to data and technology, and now they have that ability. Tony, you got any numbers for us on like VC investments over the, since the pandemic? I mean, it's a lot into the, the freight tech world, right? It is more than I can count. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it seemed like, I mean, even just this year, I mean, you yeah. look at some of the deals that have been closed on the VC front in the freight tech space, I mean, they've been record numbers. I mean, already. Yeah. I mean, the deals in just the first two months of the year have been, been crazy. I guess how over, I mean, we've talked about these shifts, right? And how has technology shifted to address these, these issues, right? We've talked about that flexibility that the shippers need. How has technology evolved uh, over the course of the yeah. past, say, few years? Technology has evolved and the industry is evolving, right? Um, you're seeing a lot more connectivity through APIs. You're seeing a lot more predictive analytics. You're seeing it be a lot easier to create and administer and configure software to support these changing needs. Um, overall, I think the common theme here is the connectivity between all of the parties in, in the supply chain is in, uh, continuing to grow and increase. And I think the companies that are supporting that connectivity and then the companies that are able to act and bring that all together are, are really going to see a lot of investment here in the near future uh, and continued into the future. Yeah, I think that, I think that's, that's the key, Kyle. We, we've been talking to a lot of folks here and, you know, the more systems you can have talking together, really helps you know everybody's talking about the same thing we're on the same playing field is there is there any sense of that I've, I've heard some frustration from from some shippers as well as some logistics providers that they love the technology they love the connectivity but there's there's I think a, a gap in or maybe it's the frustration of is are we providing technology for the sake of providing technology or is it actually solving real problems do you think there's a distinction there are those things beginning to shake out at all that's a common trend in any IT infrastructure or you know anything you have, right? It's really easy to go acquire software. If you look at just SaaS investments in organizations, it's grown wildly in the last 10, 15 years. Um, the easier it is to procure software, the easier it is to get that applied in your budget, the more you're going to see people buy tools and not necessarily implement them properly. So I think that's a risk that um, is real. It needs to be addressed by the companies uh, who are in the spaces, but... Um, it's, it's kind of a software as well as just a business process problem that needs to be addressed. Gotcha. No, I think that that's great. And, and you highlighted risk. Kind of changing gears from risk, what are you most excited about in freight tech or for freight tech over the course of, say, the next 12 to 18 months? Yeah, I would say, you know, overall being in the procurement space, that's what I'm passionate about. I think there's a ton of opportunity and a lot of things are really evolving and changing there. You know, we mentioned the connectivity between systems. Uh, the ability to just facilitate a greater level of collaboration across all the parties in that process. And with that connectivity comes the ability for us to help both shippers, carriers, and intermediaries better plan, better execute, and better optimize. Um, that's what gets me really excited about the industry. I think everything that is kind of culminating together is, is driving that forward. Awesome. Well, we really appreciate you having you. Uh, feel free where can people reach out to you, find you, more, learn more about Emerge? Yeah, so anyone can reach out to me at kjepson at emergemarket.com. Awesome. 
Well, thank you again, Kyle, for joining us today. Hope to talk to you soon. Absolutely, Kyle. It's been, a, been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Also, are you like a, are you a, are you part-time landscaper? The, the your plant game in the background is very strong. Yeah, that's my wife. So, no credit on. <laughs> well, it looks good. Thank you, Kyle. Have a good day. All right, man. Thanks. Well, that was awesome. I mean, yeah. You think about the trends in freight tech. I mean, like you said, the the increased investment. I mean, it's awesome to see. Uh, that changes and, and what Emerge is doing, right? Bringing kind so of much. Uh, seeing one, their large investment, but what they're bringing to the freight tech environment. Oh yeah, I mean, I think we, we haven't really had this, this many eyes on supply chain really ever, uh, an argument could be made, but I mean, there's so much money, even not, even from, you, you've got some investment firms who have traditionally focused on supply chain or logistics um, environments or the freight tech world, um, but, you know, you take some of those out, right? Even Dynamo Ventures, right? One of our backers, and they've backed a lot of folks in the, the logistics and supply chain space for a while. You can go the more traditional route. Goldman Sachs is getting into the games, right? Mm-hmm. When have they ever cared about what's going on in like logistics or freight tech, yeah. right? Um, so it, it, it's definitely, definitely an exciting time, and I'm, I'm excited to see where it goes. Um, yeah. And I think folks like Emerge are definitely at the forefront of it. Um, yeah. And um, yeah. We'll see where it all ends. I mean, and when you think about it, I mean, we fit right in there, right? Sonar and trying to change that, that offering that kind of, like you said, crystal ball. Yep. Or giving that, that savviness, right? The, the changing dynamics in the market. And that's what so, where Sonar comes in, right? I mean, the market changes on a daily basis. Bid cycles have shortened, right? And having this access to, to freight market intelligence kind of gives you that, that edge that you're looking for. Yeah. So I think freight tech as a whole, the eyeballs are there, and I don't think they're going anywhere. I think the supply chain has been changed forever. I mean, you're going to see things normalize, but those tech investments that, hey, they were, they started that 2017, 2018 timeframe, pandemic hit, they got ramped up, yeah. right? They, they're trying to fix the problem that hasn't gone away. So, I mean, I think that's what we're going to see uh, in the future in freight tech. And, I, I mean, like yeah. I said, I don't think it's going anywhere. So Yeah, I mean, and it, it, it really does help with scale. I think that it's, we're going to see a lot more of it. I mean, for those, for those not aware, right, Emerge, I think it was what they did their Series B in September, right? 130 yep. million? Yep. Yeah, so it'll, uh, I, Great, great funding round. It's a lot of money, and they are going to have. Uh, they want to scale to 15 billion this year. Is their their goal as a company? They already did four billion in 2021. So, um, I mean, that's that's a great that's a great deal. They're scaling heavily. They kind of they almost remind me of XBO in some ways. It's like their ability to scale mm-hmm. and build. I don't know, that might that might insult them a little bit, but um, uh, both are good companies. We like them both. Okay, yeah. so there's no favorites here, but their ability to scale and, and not just that, but it's continue to scale and continue to accelerate growth. I mean, you're a $4 billion company and you, and if you, if you even like double that to 8 billion, that would be insane. They're trying to go to 15. And that, to me, that's amazing, right? That's when you think about, you know, who sets themselves above the rest, you know, yeah. it's the ability to do that and execute on it operationally. So I think that's exciting. Yeah. And I mean, you look at one of their investors, Tiger Global, right? Yeah. Who, I mean, They've been high in the global internet, consumer software, things like that. They're getting involved in the supply chain game and the freight tech. So it definitely is who is investing is almost 
as interesting as what companies are taking on these investments. So I think that's definitely a trend to keep your eye yeah. out on is it is becoming more of a household conversation. You yeah. see the, the big names, right? Like you said, the Goldman Sachs getting involved. As yeah. that continues, guess what? These companies get later stage. They eventually go public yeah. at some point. So I think we're still in the early innings there. Uh, we've seen some go public of these freight tech companies, but I think it's definitely over the course of the next, say, five to 10 years, I mean, you're gonna see definitely that explosion of these, these freight tech companies uh, mature. Yeah, a lot of that old money that was established, I say old, we're talking about a two decade period here, but a lot of that money that was established during, you know, think about it in the Amazon, the Facebook, the Salesforce, you know, Airbnb, Uber phase, right? You know, a lot of those, a lot of those early stage startups that we had from Silicon Valley, right? Put, throw Google in there. Right, throw you know all of those companies in Adobe. Right, so many, so much of that money has matured, and that market's become very saturated. It has to go somewhere, and this is a hot spot. Yeah, I mean, think back to fintech. Right, yeah. right after two thousand eight, the crisis there. That's when a lot of that investment came in. So I mean, that's now you've got the supply from. chain. That money's flowing to uh, yeah. freight tech. Well, folks, we're out of time. Have a good Wednesday.